Crimes and cover-ups in American politics, 1776 to 1963, and survival of the richest, Donald Jeffries, separates the real from the unreal. Fact from fiction. Fact from fiction. Reverse engineering our manufactured reality. And now, from just outside the swamp-infested Washington, D.C., this is I Protest with Donald Jeffries. And welcome to I Protest. This is Donald Jeffries coming to you fashionably late, as usual. You see, we've, we've developed this habit every week. There's always something going on, so you have some technical difficulties. Uh, we have our guests now. We've uh, jury-rigged the system, so you can see her and hear her both. That was the problem. Stephanie Sledge, um, I think she's one of the most underrated researchers out there. She's done some great research uh, on the government rag, uh, especially on the Gabby Giffords case and Sandy Hook. And this is her book on Sandy Hook which everyone should get. It's uh, some real research that professional journalists don't do. I've had her on my show, the other show, a couple times before. This is the first time we've live streamed. So Stephanie, it's great to see you again. Thank you, and I'm happy to be on your show. I always love having discussions with you, and there's always something to talk about. And again, I apologize for all of the, the audio issues we had, so I was hoping I'd be ready to roll. It's powerful. Par for the course. That's the seems to be what happens every week or so. The audience probably uh, knows. But now, so let's, uh, you know, I got to know you through the Gabby Giffords thing. So, I, what, what do you feel? Because, and we'll talk, um, obviously, we can talk about the more uh, pressing issues with all the madness in the world. But uh, I just thought, I thought of you uh, again because of um, Alex Jones' trial. And I thought that was, you know, looking at your Sandy Hook book, that that was timely. Because, uh, so tell us, first of all, how, how did you get, and for the people that haven't heard, this is kind of a new version of iProtest. We're on Rockfin now, but how did you uh, come to be involved? How did you get down these rabbit holes? How long have you been doing this? And what led you to uh, go into the worlds of uh, conspiracy and corruption? Well, uh, I guess uh, I've been doing investigative research um, investigative journalism for, I guess, approximately maybe 13 to 15 years now. Um, I am like a lot of people. I just woke up one day and I realized that we're living in a world that is not, it's very deceptive, not truthful. And, you know, I have just had the, the mind to, and the desire, I guess, to find out what's really going on in this world. And um, you know, I just, I was blessed with being able to um, grow up in a family um, that always questioned everything. And, um, you know, I was introduced to a lot of radio show people um, at a younger age. And so I've just always been, you know, on board with finding out the truth. I've never had a desire to, to work in mainstream media or write for mainstream media, but um, I started my website, I guess, approximately 13, 14 years ago, and just been moving forward from there. So, looks like the the Gabby Giffords, uh, Jared Lee Loftner case was was that the um, the inspiration for you to start the website and really to start researching this stuff? It was. I, um, you know, I was bombarded with all the media back then, uh, you know, parading around a mass shooting. I had also been investigating, you know, a lot of what DHS was doing back then. 
um, they had already given us the announcement that you know we were going to see a lot of uh, uh, we were going to see a lot of shootings in schools, theaters, uh, malls, and such. And as the years have played out, we've actually seen all of that. And and of course the agenda goes deep. And and I noticed noticed with the Tucson shooting that um, you know the each channel NBC, ABC, CBS. But not, um, there were different people on different stages. There were different stories being told. And so, you know, I just uh, packed up and went out to Tucson and, and went out to find out the truth and um, was able to uncover a lot of the deep lies and agenda um, that happened beside, you know, behind the Tucson shooting. And so I, I came back and I um, I was able to report my findings on various radio shows. And I was able to put out a report back then, which a lot of people were interested in. And it just led from one shooting to another. The agenda was the same. Um, it moved in from the Obama administration into the Trump administration and now into the Biden administration. And so... I've just been like everybody else, like you. I know that you wrote a book as well. And, you know, I've been interested in reading in your book. And I always go look at things in it to see if there's, you know, things that we could put together. And and I like it that people really are trying to find out what's going on. But, you know, as we see with this latest shooting, you know, um, school shooting, um, mall shooting, a lot of various shootings that, you know, a lot of people are actually quite scared to to actually look into it or even talk about it for yeah. fear that, you know, I mean, it's almost like they're, you know, they've got everybody where they want everybody to not question anything. And if you do, you should be afraid. And, and so anyway, we saw that. So what was your take with what just happened with Alex Jones or what is your view of it all? I'm interested in your view as well. Yeah, well, that's... Well, I think that, you know, I've, again, I feel uh, I, I'm taking it at face value. And that's that's assuming that Alex Jones is legitimately being sued because, of course, he's such an entertainer. We never know, like, how much of this is uh, is, is based on uh, I'm, I'm feeling I'm hearing feedback probably from you. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But um, yeah, but to make sure that. Okay, because I've got it muted over here on the chat. Okay. Anyhow, so, um, yeah, so I think that I, I wrote uh, um, on Substack. If you look at my Substack, uh, my regular Substack article is donaldjeffries.substack.com. I wrote um, something about, I think I called it, the first thing came for Alex Jones. So I just taking this as faith value. It doesn't matter what you think, Alex Jones. It's an awful precedent to set. As you said, people are scared to talk about these things now, and you see why. Just on Sandy Hook alone, you've had Alex Jones has been tried three times now, and I think he has two more suits after this. Uh, there are kangaroo courts. He has no rights. He couldn't even uh, uh, prevent present any defense. And I don't know this ridiculous lawyers. I don't know what kind of defense he was trying to, trying to present anyhow. But uh, the judge was obviously incredibly biased against him. So this is a, just a terrible precedent they're setting to allow parents to be able to sue people who speculate about things. Cause I said, you know, I've been a JFK assassination guy since I was a teenager. That was what I got my start down these rabbit holes. And uh, the Kennedy family theoretically 
could sue people like us and claim that we are causing them harassment by speculating that our loved one's death. So I, I think it's, you know, an awful precedent to set. And uh, I do worry. Wolfgang Halbig has been sued. Jim Fetcher has been sued. So, yeah, it should worry all of us. And I don't know, do you, do you worry about somebody, some Sandy Hook parents uh, looking at your book or whatever, looking at your articles and saying we need to sue her? Well, here's the thing. You know, like Jim Fetzer is actually, you know, taking this all the way to the top with it. He's not going to stop. Um, one of the things with Alex Jones is, you know, Alex Jones had a, he had the perfect opportunity to you know, just walk into this yes. court and say, you know, sorry, but, you know, we have the First Amendment and, you know, my show is for entertainment purposes only. And But he didn't. He didn't at all. It was almost like itself was staged. His own court case was staged. Yeah. There's a lot of people questioning why he didn't. You know, I mean, it was almost like, you know, he went in there and he he allowed these things to happen. You know, I didn't have a chance to really study everything that there was going on with Alex Jones' case, but I know that, you know, he didn't even submit a discovery. Um, you know, he didn't ask to see any birth certificates, death certificates, autopsies. Um, he just, it basically just, you know, was a, a fly-by-night lawsuit yeah. that, you yeah, know, exactly. Well, well and I think and that should have been... And that should have been done in his first case, because uh, by the time they got to the third case, they, they, they refused to allow him to talk about free speech. So I think what uh, should have been done immediately, you're saying this was an opportunity a lot of people had speculated about, wow, wouldn't it be great to be able to get some of these Sandy Hook witnesses on the witness stand and cross-examine them? Uh, he should have uh, used, he should have shown video evidence from that day, the helicopter footage, Wayne Carver's press conference. There's lots of stuff he could have used. Hey, look, Your Honor, this is this is why a lot of us speculate about this incident, but he never did that. He started apologizing right from the beginning. So, yeah, he's not easy to defend because he, he does come off as, boy, is he in on it or whatever. Uh, but uh, it's 100% real and all that stuff. You know, just just say, look, you know, I, I said, yeah, I said a lot of things. People say a lot of things, but that's because and we're going to show you the evidence about why it's reasonable to speculate about this. I'm he should have said, I'm not saying I know for certain what happened, but he didn't do that. And the rest is history. But uh, I, I just find it troubling that all of us, you know, maybe have to worry about that. And you, know, you see what happened after the Uvalde shooting where there's a lot to question there. But at least people are questioning the police if it was if it was if it was legitimate. Why did they possibly take so? Uh, why did they sit there and, and not go in or whatever? But uh I think it's been the debate has been stifled, and so now when these new shootings come up, you can't uh, you can't question them. What what do you, have you been? Did you write anything about that or any any of the more recent shootings? Um, I haven't been able to um, write a whole lot lately. I've been uh, I had a tragedy that happened in my family, so you know I've been basically just know, uh, my other writers have been writing about things, but I've been following them, and you know the the thing that bothers me is that. You know, we know that there's an agenda behind, you know, especially the Tucson shooting that led into the Aurora shooting, which led into the Sandy Hook shooting. And then uh, we have Charlotte's and, and all, all of these strange scenarios and shootings and situations. And, and, you know, and then, you know, we get to the point where the, 
you know, I find it strange as well. And I did write about this in my book. And you can also, um, for your listeners, you can go to thegovernmentrag.com, click on my bio. And I do have lots of articles I've written about um, the Sandy Hook shooting as well as Tucson. And, you know, one of the things that I did, you know, find very interesting and strange is the family members also had sued Remington. And instead of Remington yes. standing up in court, um, you know, they yeah. just settled a $33 million lawsuit with no questions asked. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I wrote in my book that Remington was facing bankruptcy court at the time. I wrote a whole chapter about what was going on with Remington and who are the players behind that. I actually sent the president of Remington a copy of my book during the lawsuit. Um, I never got any reply, but you know that. So we have all of these, these, these suits that are going on. Now, Wolfgang Halbig, I also wrote a recent article um, that is up on on uh, my bio as well. I had interviewed him um, not not long ago, and and he oh. filed. He just counterfiled a lawsuit against the sheriff's department. And he's, you know, taking this further as well. So, yeah, they drug him through the mud and threw him in jail and and then yeah. dropped his charges. And then now he's coming back and, and you know, demanding more answers. So I do give him a lot of hope for that. Wolfgang is a really good person. And, and yeah. he did bring a lot of research forward. And the same with uh, Jim Fetzer. You know, he's... He's a great man as well, and you know he, um, you know, is standing up for this as well. And he's just being drugged through the court systems. But as far as my book is concerned, you know, I've had a lot of people order my books. Um, I've had several books go to law firms, and so you know they are coming through my book as well to see if there's anything that they can find. But what I'm afraid that's happening to them is if they bring my book forward, they're going to be facing a lot more people that are going to be digging into the actual, what happened behind the scenes that, you know, involved with government corruption and a lot of the organizations and players that were involved that have not been brought up on any of these levels. I mean, yeah, you know, you can say, you know, that it was a staged hoax or whatever, but, my book was about investigating what was really going on, who the players were, and the the agenda behind it, and bringing forth information that they never thought would get out, which is, I think, why that you know people have been very interested in my book. I've you know given a lot out for free just for people to to have yeah. in their possession and to get their research back on track, but also the fact that. You know, I don't think that they actually quite thought that somebody would actually dig into the deep agenda. And, and mm -hmm. you know, so that's what my book is about as well. Well, what you mentioned Remington, and one of the things I found really interesting about Remington is that uh, they initially, and I, I, I was very hopeful, they had initially asked for um, school records. They, I don't think they asked for the death records, but they asked for the school records of children. And they were, they were criticized, of course, by the media. Oh, my God, what are they doing? Are they trying to say? And I thought, 
that was brilliant on their part. But what happened there? Did they just back down, or because I, I I never heard anything else about that story? Yeah, I do. I think that they just back down. At you know, I you know, I'm not, and I'm I'm not one to decide whether you know anybody actually died at Sandy Hook. Like I said, that's not what my research was about. But what I right. can tell you is from the get-go. I'm sorry, I had to turn my camera off. It's causing my a low bandwidth thing. I think that might That's be fine. the issue. That's fine, yeah. And, but, you know, one of the things that I found out through investigating the Tucson shooting, and, you know, I, I do talk about this, is the fact that, you know, there was a, a girl, her name was Christina Taylor Green. Yes. And she was... Nine, they called her the 9-11 girl because she was born on 9-11 and she was nine years right. old when she um, died at the scene that day. But one of the things that, you know, really questioned everything for me was the fact that I had found out while I was investigating that shooting that they had paraded around this big funeral on TV where people were out in the streets and, you know, the, um, the, the funeral was being paraded through the city and and everything, but when I had gone out there to, you know, investigate it, um, I was with another investigator at the time, and he had actually spoke to um, Christina's father. I say alleged yes. father because because I question whether they were actually the parents because of her background. But um, you know, he had admitted that 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 was all a staged event. That it wasn't. They yeah, never said, had a funeral. And you sent me the audio of that. I mean, it's amazing. That's that's incredible to hear. That is that just consider that people. This is the the little girl, the 9/11 baby that was the, the kind of the star, if you will, the the lead, being a victim, obviously pulling at your heartstrings. And uh, she they had they had a funeral for her. Presumably, she was buried. And her father admitted on tape that the audio that uh, no, we, we no, we haven't buried, or we're going, we might plan on that or something in future. Exactly, what did he say? It was very strange. Yeah, I can't remember the exact words right now, but he said that you know that they planned on having a funeral in the future, yeah. but you know what we saw on TV was a staged event, and you know, but we already knew that, and of course, you know, you know, it was whenever there's a shooting like this, I try to look into who are the players behind the scenes? Who are the people? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, like we knew with the Tucson shooting that Judge John Roll, who was the Brady Bill judge that overturned the Brady Bill, you know, he was, um, he was killed as well. And, and, but nobody wanted to talk about that. And the same with Sandy Hook, you know, uh, I, this was the time that a uh, you know, there was a lot of legislation also being entered for um, anti-Semitism, hate crimes, mm -hmm. um, and such. And so, you know, I feel like that with all of my research and the research of others as well, that this is a backdoor into getting rid of the First Amendment, which was sure. what the agenda was, you know, from the Tucson shootings up has been all about anti-Semitic laws as well as hate crime laws and that includes using your voice so this right. is a very dangerous time that we're living in but you know yeah. I if they want to you know come after my evidence they'll have to really you know put up a, a fight because I will bring all the evidence forward more than the evidence that I brought in my book 
Yeah, well, this, this this is what they don't want because I mean, I just just looking at your book again here. It's a a citizens journalist expose of Sandy Hook. Check it out. Um, I, I was just going through it again today, and one thing I had overlooked before, and I'm gonna I'm starting hitting history four now, and I'm gonna I'm gonna cover Sandy Hook and all these uh, mass casualty events in, in it because so, they're they're questions and most of them many I'm, I can't cover them all there's so many, but I'm gonna cover the, the big ones, the ones that interest you the most. The, this there I couldn't believe you and you published the exact police report in there, the police report on the and it, I think it was dated December 14th, the day of the shooting, December 14, 2012. And they talked about interviewing the actor, Ryan Lanza. They referred to Ryan Lanza, the brother of Adam Lanza, the alleged shooter, three or four different times as an actor. Uh, and, and considering all the speculation that the crazy conspiracy theorists have about crisis actors, what, what are your thoughts on that? Is there, is there any evidence that Ryan Lanza had an acting background? Well, you know what? I tried to look deep into Ryan Lanza's background and I couldn't actually find any evidence that he had gone to acting school or was involved in it, being an actor. But, you know, a lot of people that do sign up and there are, we do know we've uncovered over the years that there were many crisis actor um, companies that were hiding in magazines, hiding in all kinds of websites, you know, so, but I do know that Ryan's background was interesting because, you know, the fact that he also worked, um, you know, with his dad and, you know, he was from New Jersey, but, you know, they had accused him and arrested him you know, at first clear up in New Jersey and then, you know, minimize it all down to Adam Lanza. And, and I listened to, I was on Alex Jones many years ago, also talking about the Tucson shooting. And I was listening to that interview the other day, which by the way, if you want to find more information about the Tucson shooting, you can go to jaredleelofner.com. And that is where I'm putting up all of my evidence. And I've been working on it consistently now for two years. And I have uh, your interviews up there that I've done in the past as well. And so you can find my interviews there. But I was listening to that interview again, and I had remembered, you know, quite a few things. And and one of my one of my um, writers, my good friend George Freud from Canada, he also um, evaluated the the 911 dispatch tapes. And I, I went through and listened to all those again. I republished them on thegovernmentrag.com a, a few days ago. And you can clearly hear that, you know, there's a lot of things that happened when the police arrived on the scene that don't match what we were told. You know, like for instance, the, the window of the front door was shot out, you know, and, um, you know, but we were told that he was let in, you know, and there's a lot of things that just don't, don't jive. And unfortunately, over the last several years, they've scrubbed the internet. Um, yes. They've suppressed all of everything that is not just mainstream agenda. And, you know, we really have to dig for it now. So this is where we live. We live in a suppressed, censored world. And, you know, we're going to continue to see all of these um, things play out, just like DHS told us 
that was going to happen. And, you know, we're not allowed to question it. We're going to be we're going to become a, a criminalized world where we can't have the First Amendment, which includes not only freedom of speech, but freedom of press and expression. So, you know, Alex Jones, I feel sold a lot of his listeners out um, just by not putting up the argument. He's now liable for being sued. Why didn't he? Why didn't he? Um, you know, he's on his show every single day, you know, saying, you know, for years and years and years that they could try to take him to court, but he'll he'll fight it all away, you know, but he actually <laughs> yeah. goes to court and he he yeah. is just like some dumbed down, you know, person that yeah. that acts Sorry. like and and then to be on stage, you know, and say, Oh, Sandy Hook was real, Sandy Hook was real, you know, yes, to me yes. that was just almost like a a sellout actor himself because yeah. you know yeah. we all know the evidence doesn't it still doesn't jive. Well, look what he look at the difference between him and Wolfgang Halbig. He threw Wolfgang Halbig under the bus, and I, I had Wolfgang on my show once. Uh, I never been able to get in touch with him again, and I, I feel for him because Wolfgang lost his family over this, like so many whistleblowers do. And he's I, he's he's over seventy five, I know, and he did have cancer. At Wolf. I don't know how he's doing, but uh, this can't be good for that. But, uh, you know, I don't even remember Wolfgang Halbig ever saying nobody died or whatever. And uh, Jim Fetzer does. And he obviously titled his book that, which I think I know Fetzer from back in the JFK assassination uh, forum days when he used to get banned all the time. And I was his only defender. But uh, he I think he, you know, he made a typical kind of mistake that he likes to make because he's, you know, he's very bold and wants to come out and be, you know, uh, to get people's attention, kind of confrontational prerogative but uh i think titling the book like that was probably a mistake but uh because that's what i say you know and i i gotta say once again we're discussing sandy hook on here and i say it every time now because i look i don't want to be sued and i, I don't want to end up in court i'm not saying i know what happened i'm asking questions there's a lot to question there and uh that's what i think if alex jones had just done that from the beginning and just said, look, this is why we speculated. But instead, he distanced himself right away. Oh, I never said that. Or I, I was, uh, I got, uh, you know, I was, uh, somebody fed me disinformation. And again, he threw Wolfgang Halbig under the bus. Because he originally, I don't know if he ever went to Sandy Hook, but I know he was planning to go there with Wolfgang. I don't know if he did or not, because Wolf went up there a couple times. And uh, Dan Bedonding, I know, went up there. Do you know, did Alex ever actually go up there? Because I knew he was talking about it on his show. You know what? Can you repeat that? You cut out on me, and I didn't hear your question. Oh, okay, I was saying, you know, when we're talking about Alex Jones, uh, didn't didn't he promise to? I don't know that he ever did go to Sandy Hook with uh, Wolfgang Halberg. Weren't they supposed to go up there together? I know Wolfgang went and had all the you know, attempted to make his case before the, I had his old uh, attorney on the show one time too, as well. But uh, do you, did did Alex ever actually go to Newtown, Connecticut? I don't think so. I mean, I I can't be 100% sure, but I don't think he did. But I think that, um, you know, I seems like Jim Fesser might have gone with with Wolfgang. But I, I, I'm not sure. I don't think that Alex Jones ever, ever went to, to Sandy Hook. Um, you know, I know that there's been a couple of people that have ended up in jail. There is another gentleman, and I don't have his name right now, and I don't have his book name right now, but I do have it somewhere in my research. But there was a man that was from Sandy Hook, 
well, not from Sandy Hook, but from Newtown. Sandy Hook actually is an actual, it's like a little suburb of Newtown. And right. um, he had written a book about his version of Sandy Hook. And he ended up in prison for something unrelated to Sandy Hook, but they, he did go to prison and I'll have to find that information out and try to get that to you. But he also, his book is now missing off of the internet. And, and then there was another lady who also ended up in jail for asking questions who lived around Sandy Hook as well. And, and yeah. uh, so, but yeah, and at, at least, yeah, well, I think at least one person was uh, prosecuted for harassing, supposedly calling the parents or something. But there's, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. He put out a couple great videos back in the day. I'm sure you probably saw him. What, it was uh, The Truth About Sandy Hook or something. He's the one, they, they, him and his friend went up there and they, they had the barbed wire around the school. They hadn't torn it down yet. He's the one that had the, he went to Gene Rosen's house and had an interview with him. I can't think of the guy's name. Yeah, but I think he, that might be the man that ended up in prison. Yeah, well, he, he's in prison now from January sixth. He was at he was at the Capitol on January sixth. Oh, wow! So he, I didn't he's, know that. He, he's yeah, he's a political person. I wish I could remember his name. Gosh, it's not coming. Chris in the chat room. Chris Graves knows everything. Maybe he knows, but um, see if he finds. But yeah, it's it's. I find, and I think you know, this is kind of the log logical culmination. Of what we're seeing it's obviously a different subject: uh, vote fraud. But it's the same kind of thing. You talked about criminalizing. I think they're trying to criminalize all dissent. I mean, isn't that, I don't think it's any accident that we had one, two, three, Alex Jones trial, the most publicized of his trial so far. You had, uh, and then you had uh, the, the raid on Trump's Mar-a-Lago thing. And the, and the January 6th political prisoners are still there with the January 6th commission. What, what are your thoughts on all that? Oh, my God. You know, that's just a whole different realm of psychoness. And, you know, I feel like that as far as January 6th goes, that, you know, there was, you know, there was a lot of players involved in that as well as, as people that had infiltrated the group yes. like Oath Keepers. And, you know, that was something that was planned and plotted to have that group infiltrated and, of course, they did a really good job with that, you know, and then um, they uh, have continuously moved that forward. But I do know that whatever happens, it seems like that there's always an infiltrator. It's no different than when I went to Tucson and, um, you know, I had been infiltrated by um, a government worker as well that, um, you know, that actually put my life in danger while I was out there. and. You know, once I realized that the person, that person was actually infiltrated into, um, you know, infiltrate my work or whatever, then I realized that, you know, this is happening in every single event. It doesn't matter what it is. And we're going to see it even more and more. You know, we got more and more stuff going on. We got, you know, um, people are not complying with COVID. And, you know, they, they, they thought they had everything under total control with that, but Americans took off their masks and, you know, standing up and saying, I'm not going to get vaccinated. And, and so it's all behind the scenes. There's more and more legislation. It's all about changing America more into a communistic, 
country and you know they have to get rid of the first amendment it's an absolute that they have to and they're doing you know they've got all these companies behind them google they've got youtube all these great big giant companies that that they don't care about just erasing the truth it's just like you know back when my grandfather was alive and he was back in world war ii and he talked about how you know the the books that you used to be able to get back when he was a kid that they literally just got rid of them all and you were no longer allowed to read books and 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 things like this so we're seeing it again we cannot be people have to dig for the truth now and that was why they had to take control of the internet in my opinion because you know 15 years ago when i started my website you know it it had multiple readers it had lots of people and you know i had lots of people that were submitting articles that that wanted their work to be read that they were telling the truth about every single situation that you can imagine and you know they had to take me down they did take me down they they completely gave me 48 hours to pack my my luggage on GoDaddy and or they were just going to scrub everything that I had for a whole decade and so we had to move our site out of the country to be protected so that I could continue my work and and so could my writers and so as you can see like if you go back and look you probably like me like you had all these places that you went to a decade ago um that you go yes. back to their websites now they're nowhere to be found oh yeah and and yep. so what happened to are. tom flacco i'm still trying to track down tom flacco tomflacco.com i don't know what <laughs> happened to that <laughs> yeah and so there's a lot of people that are missing in action and their yep. websites are gone and they weren't able to withstand being taken down because it costs a lot of money to you know to you know, uh, move your site and and all your data and all of that. So I was very fortunate to have um, my partner was able to help me do that, or I would have lost a decade's worth of work. Right. You have a question in the chat room for you. They want to know: um, Do you know anything about Kim Wise in relation to Sandy Hook? Kim. Kim. Kim Wise. Kim Wise, I think she was alleged to be a teacher there, and there's been speculation that she never really was. And Chris Graves tells me Tom Flacco has been dead for 15 years, and he also, uh, it was Brendan Hunt. That's the guy I'm trying to think of that's in, pri- that's in prison from uh, the January 6th stuff that, you, that put out some good Sandy Hook videos. Yeah, I, I don't know much about the teacher. I'd have to look at my research. I, I do know that I I looked her up at one time and did re- do some research about it. But, you know, we also have, you know, this, the, all the articles that came out at the very beginning that Nancy Lanza was also a substitute teacher there. Right. You know, right. and so, you know, I mean, so I do have some research on it, but I don't have it right in front of me to answer your question. I do apologize. No, that's what you've you've done. You've done uh, uh, more research than just about anybody on it. But so, what are, at this point, what are you working on now? Obviously, you're, we, you're concerned, like I am, about the uh, free. I mean, I think the biggest issue in the country today, uh, besides just the systemic co- corruption everywhere, and the fact no one's no one's held accountable for it, 
uh, is, is the fact that we had these political prisoners in Washington, D.C., held without uh, any due, denied all due process, held for a year and a half now, most of them. And nobody seems to care. I, I, I There's so few people that are concerned about that. What do you I mean, this is horrifying to think because it could happen to any of us if they decide to do this. But uh, what are you concerned about? Are you as concerned about that as I am? I am. And the reason why I'm concerned is because, you know, that is the, the question. Like, you know, it seems to be that people are doing time before they're getting their trials. And it's almost yeah. like there's there's so many people right now that are in prison. And actually, I am doing um, a lot of research into this area with the prison system and what's happening. And that is one of my concerns is the fact that, you know, like, People are doing their time up front, like a deposit, without getting trials. And we're seeing it not only with us happening with in January 6th, but also we're seeing it in regular people that are being arrested. Some people are being arrested, you know, and they're serving 60 days in jail before they get their trial and or even see a judge. Yeah. And so... This is also part of the, you know, the, the due process side. Um, we'll worry about due process later. That's what Trump said <laughs> to the nation. Right. We will yes, worry about due process later. And that's exactly that's, what we're seeing. That, it's ironic, isn't it? And, and uh, that's why I say, regardless of what you think of Trump, Alex Jones, or anything, these are horrible precedents. And it doesn't matter if Trump, uh, Alex Jones is an actor, which he probably, he probably is, at least to some degree, but... Uh, he was denied uh, due process as well. He was he didn't it didn't look like he was planning to to uh, launch a defense anyhow. And his lawyers were this Dino guy, you know, just sitting there smiling and laughing at his court as he keeps losing over and over again. Uh, I I don't really understand that at all. And I don't know if you know the background on this Dino character. He got his start as a prosecutor appointed by Eric Holder. I think Alex Jones knows something about Eric Holder. So why why would he look oh, to somebody like that as his attorney? But he performed like he was working for Eric Holder, to be honest with you. But so you have that going on and you have the judge in the middle of his trial calling him, tell, saying he's lying over and over again, telling the jury he's guilty. I mean, things that no judge would have thought of doing 20 years ago. I mean, you, that's that's just so beyond the pale and no one's complaining because they all hate Alex Jones. And the same thing for Trump. Nobody's, nobody's going to complain about anything involving Trump. We hate Trump. I, I keep arguing with people about, uh, you know, civil. We're all our civil liberties being threatened, free speech for everyone. The other side doesn't want free speech for our side. And that's that's the bottom line. They, you talked about yeah. the, 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 they don't believe in the First Amendment. They don't support it. Right. And the younger generations are being taught that in school yeah. that, you know, we're not um, to speak your mind or freely express something you're, you know, it could be a hate crime. And, you know, that's, that's something that, and of course we know that, you know, it seems like everything is being blamed on, on, uh, you know, those types of, of uh, precedents that are being set, but they're being taught in the schools right now. And, and I was actually surprised, like I've done a lot of research over the past year and a half and the m amount of people that are taking their children out of school and homeschooling is unbelievable. And I'm glad 
Like, I think yeah. that the school systems need to fail. They are disgusting. You know, I don't want my grandchildren to be taught, you know, that they, they're not male or female, you know, or right. whatnot. You know, like, I, I am disgusted with the schools. And, you know, I, I'm glad to hear that people are taking their kids out of school and the, you know, or demanding change. And a lot of people are standing up to the school systems right now, and they should. But, you know, we've also noticed that the only people that they're hiring in the school systems, especially women, seem to be <laughs> are women that are, you know, they don't, they can't think for themselves. They follow yeah. rules and orders. And, and that is what we're seeing. And so, anyway, I also, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm going to continue. I, what I'm doing right now is looking into a lot of what's happening with the, um, the, the drug war that's going on. I've always had an interest in the drug war. I've written many articles about um, the drug war and all of the lies that were being told about that. And, and um, you know, but my research stands. And if, you know, people want to hear more or know more, you know, they, they should get a, a copy of my book and, and also, you know, continue looking into this and not being afraid to ask questions. We have a right to ask questions. You know, I'm a citizen journalist. I have a right to ask questions. I have a right to the First Amendment. And when we back down from the First Amendment, you know, we're just saying that we're going to be, um, you know, just living in a world where we can't speak and, you know, just hauled off to, to have our head cut off, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to, um, I know, as you alluded to briefly, and I, I know you went through a, a really horrific family tragedy recently, and my heart goes out to you again. But what I always ask everybody this. I always ask everybody this because I know how my family is to me. My son, who's probably listening to the show, I think he is, uh, is the only one that's awake in my very large family. And the rest of, I think the rest of them tolerate, they range from tolerating me to thinking I'm absolutely crazy. And a few have canceled me. So uh, how, what is, how does your family treat you, you know, considering that you're in this world, especially once the, the warp speed vaccination was introduced, that seemed to have uh, really divided a lot of people. How are, are you being ostracized by your family or are they supporting you? Um, I'm very lucky. My family is very supportive of me. When I first started my, um, when I first started the governmentrag.com many years ago, I had family members that, you know, they didn't know what to think. They were afraid to talk to me, you know, and, uh, but over the years, my family has been very supportive. Whenever there's anything that they need discovered, they come to me and my children have been unbelievably amazing. I, you know, all of them, they, they're very supportive. They, they share my material. So I'm very lucky. Um, I do have some members of family, distant family and stuff like that, that don't want anything to do with me. You know, they, they don't want to talk about anything. They're just happy uh, reading novels or whatever. And, but um, I would say that my immediate family, my children, my, my, my children grew up, I didn't vaccinate my children when they were growing up. I took the religious exempt. Um, so I never vaccinated my children. So they all, 
you know, lived a life without vaccinations. And so when it came to COVID, none of them got vaccinated. And I was really grateful for that, um, you know, because I was worried about it. I didn't know once they got to be adults, whether they were going to actually, you know, stand by my side that they shouldn't be vaccinated. But I did take the religious exemption for them when they were. And now that they're all adults, when COVID came around, none of them took the vaccine. And I was very grateful. And, you know, for your listeners, I wouldn't either there's too much research out there and that is another thing you know with the the covid stuff is a lot of research that i've done as well as my partner jack mullen and you can find a lot of his information on the governmentrank.com on his bio and he's got an overwhelming amount of information about vaccines and the covid lies and as well and he also just got an article that um, back in 2018, he wrote an article called All Eyes on Alex Jones when the lawsuit first started. And then he just updated his article and published it on the government reg a few days ago, his thoughts on what happens. So I would um, recommend reading his stuff too. You might want to have him as a guest as well. Yeah. He's very, very good at what he does. And yeah. Um, so I think I saw that article on your thing. Well, it's, so it's. I guess that's a, so. You are writing about that because I mean, what are you, do you think at some point that uh, we talk about this a lot that the public is ever going to look around because we know that the death rate went up forty percent last year, unprecedented, and uh, even even using their absurd, laughable official COVID numbers, even if you accept them at face value, which no one should, uh, it doesn't come close to explaining that kind of massive death increase. And I'm sure this year is going to be even worse. As somebody posted, uh, I saw people send me stuff all the time. They sent me this video of a guy driving through a cemetery. And it was like nothing but fresh graves. I mean, it was, they were everywhere. I mean, this is, I mean, at what point do people start to question this? Well, I know that's the question. And I was just talking to Jack the other day about the amount of like pilots, you know, people, pilots are dying everywhere. And I mean, people are just literally dropping dead. You know, all these people, um, young people in sports, I mean, you name it, people are just dying and they have new names for everything. You know, that this is the reason, but you know, the the real reason I believe is because of the vaccine. I mean, it's been proven over and over again. I mean, I went to the Red Pill Expo with, with Jack last year and down in Louisiana and the amount of information by Dr. Martin that was given to us about, you know, the, the vaccines and, and the lies and stuff like that was so unbelievable that I had to go home and we had to research it all and, and do it. So I definitely recommend, um, you know, definitely doing your own research as far as that goes and trying to educate your family because, you know, your, your family is, is what's going to keep your, your, your family going for generations. And, and I see that also, this is my big fear as far as uh, what's happening with censorship is, you know, people don't see the, the future, you know, we've been living in this country, we've had freedom of speech, freedom of expression, freedom of press. And now, you know, where are we going to be 
in 20 years, I mean, we're going to be to the point where our great, great grandchildren or great grandchildren look back at us and say, oh yeah, that, that was a generation where my, my great grandma and grandpa didn't do a damn thing to save our country. <laughs> and that's, that's how I feel that we're, where we're living in. Yeah, we are, and it's it's it gets it's very disillusioning because I mean I don't know how many people you've been able to wake up, but you're you have a, a unique situation because most people I've talked to are, are more like me where uh, they don't have family support around them. Most of their families look at them as their kooks or or whatever, and uh, and uh, so it's great. Oh, I just heard. Okay, I stopped for a second. I heard background again. But Sorry about that. No, yeah, I had to change my earplug. No, that's okay. That's fine. But so, do you? So you you don't obviously you're still you're in this for the long haul now. You're still fighting. You're you're never gonna because I I get the the sense that some of the people we talked about, although Chris tells me Tom Flato died like 15 years ago, but there some of these people and I know some of them uh, that uh, just gave it up and just said, and this was long before the 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 COVID stuff, which I think took everything to a new level. Right. You know, you locked down the whole world. Um, do, do you, do you, do you ever think of saying, you know, I'd probably be much happier if I did just read novels or watch reality TV or something and, and tried to uh, I don't know, smoke a lot of dope or something. I, I don't know what you would do to try to forget all this stuff, but I mean, do you ever, do you ever, do you ever think of just saying I, I've had enough of this? Well, I do get fed up with life. Yes, I do. Just like everybody else, you get fed up with everything. And and you're sick and tired of seeing everybody dumbed down. And, you know, mm -hmm. you just wonder why it is that you have to be the one that goes to your neighborhood. And you're the only one that, you know, can see everything. And, and the majority of people around you don't. And, and But will I ever give it up? No, I won't. Because for some reason, I'm in this world to be you know, a, a fighter for freedom. And, and I don't just mean freedom, you know, just for our constitution and bill of rights, but honestly for our souls as well. And, and right. so I don't have any plans on ever stopping, you know, I, will they put me in prison someday if I open my mouth? Maybe, but I'm not going to be someone that goes down under and just gives up when they, when they tried to take me down, and, you know, totally suppress all my information that I was um, gaining ground on with uh, exposing the Tucson shooting, you know, when they tried to take me down then, you know, I, I you know, I knew then that I, I had to, you know, make sure that I don't because um, there's so many people that, that really do have came to me over the, the years and, you know, really did. Um, get information that were close to them in the Tucson shooting. Um, I had a uh, Jared Lee Lofter's son, or I'm sorry, Jared Lee Lofter's psychologist yeah. who worked for, he was a uh, worked for the department of defense. You know, he, he wrote to me, wanted more information about what I found. And there's been a lot of people over the years that are close to these situations that they want to know more information, but they're afraid to ask. And right. I just don't think that, I mean, they'll have to shut me up. I won't shut up on my own. It's not in my nature to do it. 
Well, that's great. What, what, so you, you said that what, so what were some of the things that were done to you? You said they were when they were trying to shut you up about uh, the Gabby Giffords case. Well, I mean, I, I was set up when I went undercover out in Tucson. Um, I call it 10 days of hell in Tucson, <laughs> but they did try to set me up. Um, and it was at that time, you know, I was on a lot of major radio shows, uh, the power hour, Alex Jones, sure. um, a lot of other shows as well. Some of them are no longer around, but you know, there, I, I did go undercover there and, you know, I was able to get things that nobody else got like autopsy reports, things like that, that, you know, and there was, and I'll be honest with you, I, I do lecture people about this, that, you know, there are shills and infiltrators that purposely do put things in the situation that to derail information. And that includes photographs. So we had a lot of crisis actor photographs of this person is this person. And this person is this person. Dallas Goldbug. (laughs) Yes. Dallas Goldbug was one of them. And he was an infiltrator. He was one of the people that actually, um, infiltrated my undercover investigation out in Tucson and tried to um, not only derail me, but he put my life in danger. And, and I have a long story to tell about that. And I've told a lot of people about that, but you have to understand that, you know, like during the process of all of these shootings, uh, whether it's Tucson or Sandy Hook or Aurora or whatnot, there were, purposely put photographs out to the public on the internet that were picked up by a lot of people that were researchers that ran with that without trying to get confirmation of that. And so there were people purposely derailed, but, you know, like I said, they did, Lenny Posner came after me. Mm. Um, you know, I thought it was strange that Lenny Posner had come after me for, um, he said I broke a copyright that he had, which was a picture of his son that was all over the internet on mainstream media, a picture of his Noah Posner wearing a brown jacket. And I had that picture on my website and he tried to come after me for copyright violation. And so I had to take it down. But then um, all of my affiliate programs and GoDaddy, you know, they all came after me when I started exposing what was happening. When I started going into my the Tucson research as well. And, and so they did try to take me down, take all my information off the Internet. But I was able to beat them all. And thankfully, because, of, like I said, my partner, Jackie, helped me move my site out of the country. My site now lives in a different country because America is not safe to have the truth on the internet. And so um, those are the types of things, but yeah, at least you know that there are infiltrators out there and that they did do their job quite well. Oh, absolutely. And that's, that's, that's been the case for, uh, for a long time, going back again to the JFK assassination research committee and nine 11 truth groups as well as you know that they're they're completely full of them they run into a lot of those guys uh, and it's it's hard to tell and of course alex jones is probably one of the most suspected because uh, but he's also the, the biggest name 
So I think this is why, whether he's legitimate or not, why they're concentrating on him. But it's 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 very concerning for all of us because I, I tell people all the time, you know, it's it's eventually going to get down to shows like this. It's going to get down to blogs like I, I write on Substack. It's going to get to the government rag. Uh, eventually, they're not going to stop. They don't want any dissent at all. I, I, I am thoroughly convinced that they absolutely do not want anyone dissenting. I don't know what they want, but they, they don't want us protesting anything they're doing. No, they want to criminalize speech. And that is what a lot of the legislation is. It's one of the le legislation has been for quite a while. And, you know, we have to get rid of, you know, many things. I mean, 9-11 was one, you know, we're uh, trying to criminalize the Fourth Amendment. And so, you know, like as far as uh, those types of things, and, and I do have people, you know, that have told me, and yes, they're right, that, you know, the more we go through this, the more we talk about it, what good is it going to do? It was 10 years ago. You know, what good is it going to do now to keep bringing up all this stuff about Sandy oh, Hook or yeah. Tucson or sure. whatever? But my argument is, is that it keeps going. It's yes. evolving. It's not yeah. something that just happened. And, and, you know, we can go back and say, okay, well, it's over. So nobody got arrested for their crimes or anything. But it's getting bigger. It's evolving. It's 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 going forward. It the agenda is deeper. It's it's but we're not allowed to talk about it because you know we don't have platforms that people can find. It, the platforms are all buried, and you know all of the um, people are so used to just seeing you know whatever news comes across their Facebook pages. That's all they see and view. And, right. well, you know, they rely on Facebook to be their, their news source. Yeah, well, you know, what I, I wondered what you thought of uh, Uvalde, uh, because that, to me, that, that seems, now I did see an interview with parents who, I don't know if you saw that or not, but they, and again, I hate to laugh at this, but it really is ridiculous. They were asking about, I guess, their daughter, they were concerned about their daughter, and the, the reporter asked what grade she was in, and literally they said, we don't know. Is that believable? I, I, maybe their parents somewhere that don't know. But I mean, I just saw that and I said, what? You know, so my antenna went up. But the, I think this one was a little bit different because what do you think of the, because normally, as you know, in these school shootings, the, the surveillance cameras pretty much never work. So they never capture anything on tape. Uh, there's always something wrong with them. But in this case, they did release some of them. And what did you, the, the footage of those cops standing in the hall where there's supposedly a shooting going on and one of, the, one of them putting the hand sanitizer on, did you happen to see that footage? The hand sanitizer, is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. Did you happen to see that with the, with the hand sanitizer and them standing in the hall while the shooting yeah, is supposedly going I on? Yeah, I did. Right, I did. I did watch a... I did watch that that whole situation, and I I thought it was very strange, you know, just you know the fact that is this an active drill? Is it a real drill? What's going on? Is this real? And you know, it, it does play out with the same scenario with active shooter situations, and you know, a, a lot of the people, everybody goes there, but you know, everybody's in the background. But you know, I I found the whole that whole story as well. I, I think that there needs to be somebody that looks into that more 
or whatever. I'm, I don't know for sure exactly what happened there, but I know that I saw all the police standing around and you know, what everybody did for, what was it a whole hour or so? And, you know, I mean, if it was my child that was in that school, I would have been breaking down the doors too to get in. Oh, absolutely. There, you know, I said at the time, uh, it, if if everybody should hope it was a hoax, because if that really happened the way they said it, it, it that story is way uglier because the, the cops did nothing. Now we have the video of them putting hand sanitizer and doing nothing. I don't know if you heard that they they also uh, not only you know tackled parents when they tried to go in the school and do something, but they uh, they routed all the parents to another uh, crisis center or something that they built, and they kept them there till midnight. And they still didn't know if their kids were alive or not. And they uh, they subjected a bunch of them to DNA tests. Did you hear that? I mean, this this was just amazing. I thought, you know, no, this... I didn't hear any of that. Yeah, it's as and I said, you know, this story this story is way worse than just saying, hey, it was a you know one of these crisis rules. What do you? I always the way I answer people, and I'm answering to any of you that are listening out there. Uh, I I say that we know that they are in fact i was reading in your book again it reinforced it that we know that there was a uh i think it was a week or a couple of weeks before november 27th uh 2012 where uh they they came out with this mass casualty drill that they were talking about uh that would happen in a uh, school the school children where school children were, were killed by a gunman and then the gunman would either be apprehended or suicide or something like that i'm sure you know it's in your book uh and you you compare that to where we know there are drills going on so often around these events. And we also know that as I wrote my book, Bullyocracy, I, I covered event after event. And Alex Jones, to his credit, was the first one to publicize this, where they had these live shooter drills at school. They're still going on. And I can find lots of references in the mainstream media who's questioning it. So they use crisis actors. They use fake blood. It's scripted. They involve EMT and police. All the stuff that the crazy people you know, accused of uh, happening at real events. So is it really that much of a step to go from the fact that we know these live shooter drills happen and they use crisis actors and everything, they, they acknowledge it. How much of a leap is it to, when you see these mass casualty events reported on the news and you see these anomalies, isn't it reasonable to, to speculate, you know, is this just another live shooter drill? Yeah, I mean, I I question the same thing. I, I'm like you. I you know what is, what do you start thinking? I mean, like I said, I if this is really happening, and people are able to go in, and start shooting up schools and kill, you know, a bunch of first graders or or whatnot, kill 20 children, then why do people have their children in school? And what is the goal here? You know, is the goal to arm all of our uh, schools to have them locked down like Israel? Or what is going on here? Like, why is this? Why did DHS, Janet Napolitano, tell everybody before the Tucson shooting that we would see an increase in school shootings theater shootings and mall shootings. That's the question. You know, why wouldn't we see uh, an increase of mass shootings in just random drug neighborhoods? Or how come we're not hearing about all the deaths that happen 
you know, in, in the big cities right now. Yeah. I mean, why isn't the news covering the massive amount of killings that are taking place in Chicago right now mm -hmm. or right. Um, New York or all these places? But, you know, we're seeing an increase in what DHS's agenda was, what they put out. And they did, they did publish that document. And I do have it in my book, but then they rescinded that. But then, you know, she was on TV telling people that we would see an increase. That is when they decided that Walmart would be, uh, what did they make Walmart? Um, if you see something, say something. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> institute. <laughs> yeah, and you see something, so, say something. You know, like we're seeing, yeah, the increase is there. And it started back in the Obama administration and it's moved forward through Trump now through Biden and so you know if you are worried about your child being shot whether it's an active shooter drill or a real situation you know I would question whether you should have your kids in school yeah well it combined combined with the, the potential for, for this the potential for a situation like I said it, it, it Uvalde I, this is just mind-boggling to me to consider that something like that, first of all, the, he apparently came in through an unlocked door that a teacher accidentally left open. That was the original story, but then that changed and said, no, actually, she didn't or something. I, that They still never said, well, how he got in, But if that's the case. But uh, we, we were told originally that uh, Border Patrol agents were, 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 were uh, chasing him and it actually exchanged gunfire with him. We're told that he was in an accident. And he uh, he got out of the accident with his gun and started firing wildly all over the place. Again, this how long did all this take? And again, where were the police? And then they come, they do nothing. So if that's the case, just the police conduct alone, every parent should wonder, you know, why am I sending my children to schools like that? And then if you look at the TikTok teachers, you know, where you see these crazed uh, young women that are with the LGBT flags and and the absurd way they're trying to you know decorate themselves in all kinds of crazy ways and and just overtly making videos that are going to make them look bad uh, i don't know my i'm glad my kids are grown because if, if they were small today and, and the problem is most for most parents it's not financially feasible to homeschool so i hope they can make some headway with it with the school boards you know, you've had a lot of angry parents although i haven't heard much about that lately what's what happened to all the, uh, the school boards? I don't know if that resulted in anything or not, but uh, we need to do something because the schools have been shown. And my, as you know, my book, Polyocracy, I think I painted a picture of the schools at that time of what was going on, enabling all this stuff to happen. And now, obviously, it's a million times worse because who knows how many TikTok teachers have been inserted into the curriculum since then. And with the uh, mask wearing and uh, just the overt politics, I, I don't know. I guess you're glad your children are grown too, right? Yeah, but I have grandchildren and I worry oh. about that. And, yeah. you know, I, I also question as I also question as well, like, you know, the, there's all these shootings that are taking place that nobody is digging into. Like, for instance, there was a gentleman by the name of, I can't remember his first name, but his last name was Marlowe. And anyway, he was a, a, an active shooter in Dayton, Ohio, just the other day that put out a video on TikTok saying that he was sorry to his nieces and nephews and stuff and his family, but 
he had he was being he's under mind control he has no choice and then he went and murdered four people went to somebody's house and murdered the whole family claiming that um you know that he was under TikTok. well that that video has been removed i i was able to get a copy of it but nobody's talking about that guy and then no. we have to go back to all the other shootings that are happening like for instance what about the lady that showed up at youtube a few years ago and shot and killed yeah. five people randomly yeah just started right. loading, unloading on those people and you know so what is happening is there real shooters are they active are they inactive what does it mean when they call them active does that mean they're activated does that mean they're <laughs> yes. um you know they're they're active in the the, the drill or are they active in mm -hmm. under some kind of uh you know, mind control or, you know, military yeah. operation, or they do, they think they're playing video games. I mean, there's a lot of information that I've studied over the years about, um, especially with Jared Lee Lochner, because Jared Lee Lochner, you know, they, they portrayed him to be just some dumbed down loser that, you know, went to Pima County school that ended up getting thrown out. But in reality, he had ties to the military and mm -hmm. he was involved in programs and he was seeing a psychologist that was with the Department of Defense. And, yeah. you know, like, are these people, when they call them active shooters, what does that actually mean? Those are the yeah. questions we need to get down to. Yeah, that's an, inter that's an interesting point that they use that terminology. And you, you mentioned earlier about uh, why certainly the schools are always like a chosen venue for these people. How, you know, we, you notice you never see like a shooter suddenly decide to go into a state legislature, certainly not Congress or anything like that. Uh, there's never anything like that where people could say, okay, he's taking his anger out in kind of a more rational way. He's going at powerful figures. The same way, I don't know if you studied all these going postal events in the past. I can't find a single example of somebody that went postal and, and tragically, uh, you know, killed his coworkers of anybody that even took out after the guy that fired him. They never go out to the CEO or upper management. It's always the, the coworkers that they worked with. Is that, I mean, I know obviously if they take that step, they're, they're, they're not being rational, but to me, that makes no sense. Have you ever thought of that? Well, that is an interesting point. Yeah. Why is that? And, you know, you see it just like this, this guy, Marlo, from Ohio, you know, um, putting out a video saying he apologizing for the fact that he's being forced to go do something. And then later that afternoon, he goes and murders a whole family. And so, you know, but the media is not covering that. There's no ground with that, you know, and, you know, we just constantly keep hearing back, you know, all of these things with Alex Jones you know, like the media just covered everything negative about Alex Jones. And of course, you know, they had to, yes. well, they were losing ground. The reason why Alex Jones was used is because Alex Jones, in my opinion, was already compromised. And, you know, he had already done a lot of things to compromise himself. And how, you know, what a better person to use to gain yes. their ground back after losing years and years and years of faith that the mainstream media is fake, 
that they lie, that, you know, they're, they're a staged event as well, that they're given scripts to play out. And what a better way to, to, to try to gain their ground back is to use Alex Jones. And for him yeah. to just walk in there like he's drunk every day and walk out and, and have lawyers that turn over his, his phone and all of the information. And so he, there was no argument, but that doesn't give, that should not be a reason for people to be afraid to stand up for the first amendment, right. freedom of speech, freedom of expression, because that's a civil case. And, you know, just because Alex Jones gave in and didn't uh, argue with it doesn't mean that the other people aren't like Jim Fetzer or Halbig or, you know, anybody else in, that's involved in any of it. And what I find interesting is, is that, you know, like there's, <clears throat> you know, clear back to uh, they got away with everything with the Tucson shooting because I was the only person that could, you know, bring a lot of that forward but they were able to just play off aurora right after that it took yes took the um the focus off of tucson plus sandy yeah. right into sandy hook well and, that, so, and that's why you know it's a distraction yeah and i think that's why uh i i'm i'm going to try to cover a lot of these just looking back at uh, a lot of your research for gabby Giffords is incredible i'm, I'm going to use a lot of that in, in industry four and you'll be credited uh the, the Batman Aurora thing. I mean, there were there were lots of elements to that. I don't know if you remember, uh, and I talk about this again. That people wonder. We're not saying anything, but these witnesses, some of these, and some of the storylines. Uh, one one of the storylines in the in the Batman shooting, you may remember it. And they were the witnesses that were interviewed probably more than any other. And it was this young couple who weren't married. They had a baby, and for unknown reasons, they decided to take the baby. I guess they didn't have a babysitter. I don't know. They, but they decided to go to a midnight showing of a loud movie like you know Batman the Dark Knight uh and they brought right. the baby with them and so and and then the pandemonium we're told that when the shooting is going on the the father uh puts the baby down in, in the little baby seat uh underneath the underneath the chair and and sneaks out of the theater by himself leaves the baby there I know and then you remember, and then and then heroic, and of course the politically correct script. Of course, it was a strapping young black man who came and played the hero. He rescued the baby, rescued the fair maiden, the the, the mother who the, uh, the coward father had abandoned. And but okay, so that's absurd enough. But they went on I don't know how many interviews and told the story. Uh, no one, you know, said, well, you know, are you still, and then, then he supposedly proposed marriage to her the next day. And she said, yes. It's like, I mean, do you remember that? I mean, that was the most ridiculous story I'd ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about those details. That's pretty funny. Yeah. That, and that's why it's, yeah. that's why it's, it's great investigating so, these things again. Yeah. Cause you were, you, you forget these stories. And he had the dyed red hair and. And it's same with yeah. Lee Laughter, you know, you got whatever, five different pictures of him. Mm -hmm. And and the same with a with a Adam Lanza, you know, you have a pictures of him, but you know, obviously they were photoshopped. Um, the ones that showed the scariest psychoist uh, yes. man <laughs> that they could they could create and yeah. and you know, the story is very crazy and, and you know, like I, I said, I, I am guilty of not really investigating much of what's happening with this newest shooting. 
and all of that simply because of what's happened in my family recently. But I yeah. will, you know, I would like to know more about it. And, and, you know, I, the agenda is what I'm most interested in, you know, like whether, you know, I'm, I'm definitely concerned whether people are being murdered or not. You know, people ask me all the time. I got confronted many times investigating the Tucson shooting and releasing my information. Um, people would confront me and tell me that nobody died there. You know, it, it was uh, it was all staged. And, and mm-hmm. you know, my answer was always been, you know, well, I do have the autopsy reports. I do. And I have mm-hmm. them published on jaredleelofter.com. So there are six autopsy reports of what appears to me to be real autopsy reports. But the questions that I have with the deaths are did they actually die at the scene of the Safeway or were these people, did they die somewhere else? Because the, you know, the research that I did, it, it does indicate that Jer, that does Sean roll was actually died at another Safeway store in town as almost a murder plot, but also the girl, um, you know, there's, there were people, there was a lawyer that actually wrote me and sent me information deep into a child trafficking ring, um, claiming that Christina Taylor Green was not actually the child of, um, the Greens and that she was, um, kidnapped and she was actually, she was taken to the Safeway store by, um, a social worker, a social worker that mm-hmm. it was a CIA agent. You're talking about Susie Heilman? Susie so, Heilman? Yeah, Susie Heilman and yeah, Heilman yeah, or yeah. however you say her name. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, like if people want to actually investigate what really happened at this newest shooting, they really need to look at the people and dig into their backgrounds right, and right. also look at the agenda that's going on at the same time like what is the legislation who are the people that were on tv what kind of things are being claimed and and such because honestly there's a lot of people there's several police officers also through the years that i spoke to that told me that they had no idea that they were involved in um where they've been they were um, called into scenes that they later found out down the road that they were actually uh, drills and they didn't know mm-hmm. it. So a lot of the people involved in these, as far as police mm-hmm. officers, deputies, sheriffs, they don't know a lot of times that they're actually involved right. in these drills. Well, we know they don't tell the kids and sometimes they don't tell the teachers. So, yeah, that would stand to reason. And that's why, again, people should just question all of this. And you were uh, we were talking about Susie Hilleman or Heilman, however you pronounce her name. It's, she was a 59 year old at the time. Uh, we're told. And again, let's just consider this. People out there listening, especially those of your parents. This is a 59 year old woman who was not related to the little girl, Christina, uh, Christina Taylor Green. And I think Christina Taylor Green was. Uh, was she nine years, nine years old, I think, right? And uh, Christy yeah, Hammond's she was nine so, years old. Yeah, nine years old. Christy Hammond's 59. They're, bestie, they're besties, I think how she put it. So they're BFF somehow. And we're told, well, she's a neighbor. Well, 
it looked, I don't know if you looked into it or but whatever. I found out that she, uh, Susan Kalman actually lived a couple miles away. She was not a neighbor. I don't know if you, do you say people live a couple miles away from you or neighbors? She wasn't a neighbor. So, but that's how she was portrayed. And of course the interview she did early on, and that's what first got my attention and got me down this particular rabbit hole was the Gabby Giffords case, seeing the interview with Christina's parents, which I, I was just shocked that they gave an interview like the next day and how calm they were. They scrubbed those from the internet back then. And then Christy Hallman's interview where she was so over the top and just, you know, yeah, Gene Rosen-esque. And then uh, they scrubbed those too. I don't know. What were your, but I mean, just the, the, how are people supposed to, does that sound believable to you as a parent? Doesn't to me. No, it doesn't to me either. And, and, you know, I do a lot of background check into Susan Hill a minute. When she went on national TV with her husband and started mm -hmm. crying on TV, which, you know, was just so ridiculous that, you know, I, I had to go do research in, into her. And the fact that she was a social worker and the fact that I had been mailed documents from a lawyer saying that, that she was actually placed with the Greens. She wasn't actually their child. She was a, a state-placed child and that she was born in Maryland, which I did find out that was true. And her name was not the same. And the fact that her mother, her mother, uh, Roxana Green, had copyrighted her name prior to the shooting. Plus she also copyrighted um, all the, after the shooting, they had sold a bunch of, uh, these little glass things that were in memory of her and she had mm -hmm. copyrighted those prior to the shooting as well. But I found out that Susan Hilleman also was associated with disassociation projects in the past. And the fact that she didn't, she wasn't the next door neighbor. And yeah. so, you know, that was, that is true. She wasn't, the next door neighbor, but there's so many people involved in all of these right. uh, shootings that they don't make any sense on why they were there. No, unless Just, there was something secretive going on. If you, yeah, exactly. If you scratch the surface where the, you know, the Batman Aurora thing with the, the couple and the baby, I mean, that was absurd. I mean, human nature is, I mean, it's, I don't see how that relationship could have survived afterwards. Why? I mean, she, she, he left them to die basically. So, and then you marry him the next day and then you brag about it on TV constantly. It's ridiculous. Uh, same thing with the Christina Taylor. <laughs> this doesn't pass the smell test. 59, 59 year old and a nine year old best friends. And the nine year old is so interested in politics that she goes to this uh, meet and greet with, with the, with the neighbor who's not a neighbor. I mean, it's very again. I'm not. I'm not making any representations. I don't know. So if any, you know, anybody, I'm not. I'm not saying any. I know about any of this. I'm just looking at it from the standpoint of a citizen. And the in case I'm a citizen journalist like you, I'm trying to to do what I can. I, but we're the only reason we're doing this, right, Stephanie? Is because we don't have real investigators. Can you imagine if we had real investigative journalists? If your local television station, let alone your national, had some Lois Lanes there or some of these guys from the 1930s and 1940s films with a cigarette dangling and a bottle of whiskey and a top hat kind of cocked to their side. They're looking for a big story. Those reporters don't exist. Otherwise, I mean, they'd have a field day, you know, going over these kinds of stories we're talking about. Oh, yeah. Well, the, the ones that do try to look in it, 
the our actual field journalists, you know, that work for mainstream or whatever, they've been murdered. Um, you know, that that's there is no such thing as an actual journalist anymore as far as um anybody that works in mainstream to call themselves a journalist. I mean, have you seen any real journalist investigations anymore? All I see is people that go out there and cover stories that they've already been given the story, but to actually go undercover and do research and to actually go, you know, do those things, most of those people are murdered. Yeah, exactly. Well, now speaking of murdered, I know you had you had a couple people with you doing your on the boots uh, research in uh, Arizona for the uh, Gabby Giffords thing. One one of those guys died under suspicious circumstances. Correct? That was working with you. Yeah, I my good friend Lee Bracker was um, he was an undercover investigative journalist in Tucson, and he had a, a a meeting every week with other investigative journalists, and he did quite a bit of of research into it. He was undercover. He was threatened many times. Um, and um, he, he did, he did end up dead. And he, you know, I spoke to him many times. I met with him many times. We did a lot of undercover work together when I was in Tucson and, and he's a great researcher. And he wrote a couple of books, but he did end up dead, and he also um, was beat up many times, um, threatened by local people. But at, if you don't remember that during the Tucson shooting, uh, Gabrielle Giffords, they created a comic book about her. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I was able to get a copy of that comic book, but my friend Lee, um, when he was found dead, that comic book was in the, his back pocket. And so um, I believe, in my opinion, his father did contact me and warn me that, you know, I was digging into too deep areas and that he was at that time that he, he knew that his son, which, you know, Lee at that time, I believe, was in his 50s but he was entering into great danger for investigating these people in Tucson. And so, yeah, he did, he did die. And I believe that it was a direct result. He uncovered more than just the Tucson shooting. He was also deeply involved in an investigation that had to do with the EPA out there. And mm -hmm. they were covering up a massive waste dump. And he had just recently which I have the guy's interview. It is published on jaredleelofter.com. He was able to get me that interview before he passed away, but um, he did deeply research the EPA lawsuit that was completely confidential. It was, it was uh, not allowed to be talked about at anything. And Judge John Roll, the judge that died in the Tucson shooting, was overseeing that EPA lawsuit at the time. And Lee had gone in and was able to get documentation and he was able to talk to the actual whistleblower. 
and that was all during the same time that he he died. Was was Lee was Lee the same guy? Was he the one that that went to the door and recorded uh, Christina Taylor Green's father saying that? Uh, no, that was a different gentleman, and I'm not going to say his name because he wants. Yeah, to yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I, I remember you. Time, yeah. but, um, well, I don't blame him. <laughs> you blame, again, people there that think I know. But my he, writing, if you read but my they, writing, but you know, he knew him my... as well. Yeah, they they both knew each other as well yeah. because they were involved yeah. in the same group, the investigative journalist research, and anyway, that's that's how bad and criminal things are in Pima County, Arizona. Yeah. Well, they seem to be that way everywhere. And uh, that's that's a concern, the, the systemic corruption from top to bottom. And that's why it's it's people that, and I, I say this all the time, whether it's JFK assassination or anything else, that these body counts, the Clinton body count, Bush body count, they're everyone. I write about them in my, in my writing all the time. And I, I keep saying, you know, what do you, do you think, like, for instance, that guy you're talking about, Lee, uh, he was involved in, uh, and he, he said he'd been get, he'd beat up, uh, threats or whatever, and then he dies. I mean, who's and this happens over and over again in so many of these cases. Why is this happening? If if nothing's going on, if there's nothing to see here, as they tell us, then uh, then obviously people have to be. Well, first of all, who's threatening them? I I mentioned that all the time about the JFK assassination. Was Lee Harvey Oswald's family calling these witnesses and threatening them? You know, it's. I see Tony's in there. Tony, have you been listening? Tony's putting the headphones on or see what he's got to, if he's got any, any thoughts. Yeah, I've been do you listening. Have any th thoughts on what we've been talking about, Tony? Yeah, do we have any questions? Yeah, but a look again at the, at the, at the Let's see if we've got anything from the chat. I'd like to see if the, the audience uh, wants to okay. yeah. think yeah. the table on this one. Yeah. See, I know Chris Gray's. Do you do you? Chris Gray's has uh, has sent you research, I think, before. But he, you said he said you know him as uh, his name's backwards, like Search or something, C I R H or something. He he sent you some information before because he, he does. He's one of my primary researchers. He's, he does uh, great work. That's why when I ask a question in the chat room, I know he's gonna. <laughs> I knew he would knew Brendan Hunt's name. Hmm? I think so. Yeah. 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 He's right. You see anything well, I, there, Tony? I I know that you guys are talking about things you shouldn't be talking about. We're supposed to, <laughs> we're supposed to ignore, ignore all these events. Any, any kind, you're not supposed to do journalism. What are you thinking? Yeah. Yeah. yeah this is a, uh, and that's why the fact that we have to, and I think we can never be cow. That's why I said with that Sandy hook, you know, there's, they're putting people on trial for, for, for this stuff. And, uh, you can't back down from it. I just think you have to do it the right way. I mean, I and I, I said I, that's why I want to say every time I talk about this, I'm not making any claims. I'm not claiming anything. I'm not saying anything about the parents, and I'm just making, I'm just observing and asking questions that everybody should be asking, especially professional journalists. Yes. Were you familiar with the government rag, Tony? No. Not until this interview. Not I. I've never. I'd not covered it. I and I think you had mentioned this, and I had not looked into it. Um, yeah, because so it's, it's 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 some of the you know again. This is the kind of great stuff that's going out there. The people and I think Stephanie 
I call her the most underrated researcher all the time. Oh, and, and speaking of Stephanie, Stephanie Green tipped me $10. Thank you. Stephanie's uh, amazing. Stephanie Green has been so supportive of me, and I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, She's awesome. Yes, she is. I'm, I'm looking, I'm trying to see if there's any other questions. Chris probably had a million questions for you earlier. He, he taught you, I know it was about Kim Wise. Um, let's see. Tony, do you have anything while I'm looking through here? Well, no, Riley I mean, I says, think, go ahead. No, Riley says I'm real popular with the ladies. Riley, I thought you were a lady because my dog, female dog, is a lady, but uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I probably. Uh, let's see. Um, well, a lot of these ladies are doing great research. I can tell you. Yeah, Stephanie absolutely. Doing, yeah. I mean, it's, to, it's up to, it's up to us. I mean, it's a citizen, citizen journalists that are actually doing any kind of research. I mean, we just mainline, I, I talked about this on my show today. Just mainline is just getting talking points handed to them. They read this and mm -hmm. that's it. That's the extent. And if you disagree with it, you're a heretic and you're now getting sued, you know, um, Lawfare waged against you, your reputation, everything. But it takes a lot of courage, but I think we're on the right side of history. You know, there's something to the mass shootings and the, the cycle of them and how they are. I mean, um, you know, Chris Graves was mentioning this, and uh, Dave McGowan had talked about how there was, we used to have the, yeah. the serial killer, which the, the, the rock star serial killer, and that's what you're supposed to be afraid of. And then it turned into the active shooter. It's like, it's like we just yeah. went from one thing to another. And right. one thing went away, which when, when's the last time you heard of a major serial killer doing something? Well, I've not heard of anything in years. Or what about terrorism? That kind of just went away. That's but the gone, one man. constant <laughs> through the decades is active shooters now. It's like a, a slow and then an increased drip. I and mean, look at the San Bernardino shooting. You, you talk about how, I mean, look, at, if you look through that, through the lens of, Apple supposedly telling the FBI that they wouldn't crack the iPhone because they felt like it would, you know, break protocol for privacy. I think about that story now and that's laughable. What are you talking Is that the about? one with Is that the one with Elliot or whatever the guy that looked like an aspiring actor and was complaining but also seemed gay to me, but he was complaining he couldn't get any women or something. Is that the guy whose father this, was this, a big producer? This was the shooting of the couple uh, the, supposedly oh, okay. Islamic radicals and at the end of 2015. I can't keep them straight. I can't. Well, there's so many, but see, this we're in the age of the active shooter and in the mass shooting. And the one thing you're not supposed to ask is how did this happen? It's always just, Oh, it's just random. And you never yeah. know when it's coming. So make sure that you uh, get this, you know, anti-gun bill. Stephanie, have, have you, have you done any research into uh, a, a real research into any other, you specialize in Gabby Giffords and Sandy Hook. Did you any of these other countless ones that I, I'm remembering them now the 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 uh, the shooting in the church, uh, storm roof guy or whatever? So many of these things. Did you look in Parkland? Any of these other ones? Are you talking to me? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, did I look in Parkland at all? Those. I yeah. mean, I've written several articles. Uh, I I know that. Um, Mostly, if you want to uh, learn more about those types of shootings, um, you need to read Jack Mullen's articles on thegovernmag.com. He's written multiple articles about those types of shootings. But I wanted to back up as well what you were saying. You know, one of the things that people don't realize as well is that during the Sandy Hook shooting, prior to the Sandy Hook shooting, 
that one of the things is is that Obama had demanded that the CDC receive um, millions and millions of dollars in funding to study gun control violence. And the at that time, you know, Hillary Clinton had vowed that she was going to keep the guns out of the hands of those that she believed were, quote, dangerous individuals. And so at the time that the shootings started taking place, the CDC was going broke. They, they, their funding was told um, for the study of, of gun or for a drug violent or drug, the drug situation because um, they had gone two decades spending millions of dollars and that they hadn't provided, you know, they, they weren't being provided any more funding for gun violence uh, for drug violence and stuff because they had failed on what they did. So what happened was, is that under the Obama administration, they actually put the guns in the hands of the CDC and listed it gun violence as um, under the CDC's rule. So they were given funding. So as we speak during the COVID stuff, all the gun violence and all that stuff, it's a national health crisis. And so all of this is in the hands of the CDC. And so I just want people to be aware of that too, that a lot of people think that the ATF is um, in charge of all of the guns and stuff, but you know, they're just an outside organization that doesn't live in the United States. They, they live in the District of Columbia, but the government had given under the Obama administration they had given the CDC all the funding from that point on and all of these gun violence, you know, events that have taken place. Um, the CDC is the ones that are receiving the funding for all of the studies. So everything that we see about dangerous individuals and uh, gun violence and all that stuff is all coming from the, the center of disease control. Yeah, no, it's it's. So what what are you planning at right now? What you what are you working on now? I know you're concerned also about the the effects of the lockdown and the, the pandemic and the vaccines and everything. What what are you concentrating most of your research on now? Well, I've been interested in also, like I said, I've been interested in. I mean, I'm I'm continuing on always investigating into the deep research with what's happening with these shootings and all that stuff. But, you know, I'm like, I'm like, you know, you as well, like what happened to the big research stuff? Like there is no serial killers that we know of. And, and, you know, like there hasn't been any more Oklahoma city bombings and, and all of this stuff. We're just seriously just into gun violence and shooting. And so I'm, I'm going to continue on with that research, but I also am continuing on with a, the deep research that I've done in the past as well with the, with the drug war and, um, you know, the truth about Afghanistan and also the fact that, you know, the fentanyl that's out on the streets right now, like this is actually a genocide. The genocide is, you know, killing all the fighting age men and women in this country. It's, it is one of the biggest suppressed stories. Everybody knows the, Fentanyl is out on the streets and people are just dying because they're using it. But fentanyl is actually being placed purposely 
falsely in place of other drugs. People think that they're buying cocaine. They think that they're buying heroin, but they're actually receiving fentanyl, which is a pharma drug, which why aren't the pharma drug dealers being investigated into this yeah. massive genocide that's happening in America? All of our fighting age men, and I say mostly men, because they are dying un at unbelievable amounts on the streets. Um, and, yeah. you know, like people that, you know, buy cocaine, they don't, you know, a lot of people have used cocaine for years and they've never had a problem with it other than just their own personal issues. But there's now fentanyl is being replaced with all the drugs on the street. And it is a mass genocide. It's a mass genocide and nobody's wanting to investigate it, not even our local sheriffs. So those are the things that I'm looking at as well. Yeah, well, America's so over-medicated. I, I wrote an article for American Free Press on that. I forget the numbers, but I, I want to say it's something like 90% of those over age 65 are on at least one med. And I think 40% of those 18 to 29 are, which is just shocking. And uh, so, and of course, in the fentanyl thing that you, that, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. We're just so, we're so over-medicated society, but people, there are a couple, there were uh, a couple of the ones that people want to know about in the chat room are uh, Las Vegas and Parkland. Uh, want to know what you know about those very suspicious incidents. <laughs> well, or Los Angeles or Las Vegas? Uh, Las Vegas and Parkland. Yeah, those, those two are very questionable events. Um, I've, you can go to my, my uh, bio on thegovernment.com. I've written articles about both those events. So is Jack Mullen, so is George Freud. Um, there's very questionable, it's the same, it's the same setup. It, it goes right along with the same agenda, deeper agenda every time. Every time there's a, another mass shooting um, it just plays along with the same storybook in the background that happened with the previous one. And I'm sure there'll be another one. There'll be another one somewhere and we can go right on to the storyline of the agenda and it'll just be deepening more into gun control, eliminating the first amendment, making sure that there's no such thing as due process. Everybody's going to be doing their time before they get their, their time in court. And um, so I encourage you all to, to go there, share my blog. Also, Doc, if you could tell me, and this because I'm going to be sharing this with my circle of friends too, where do you find all your information? Where, where's this going to be living? Where are you all the time? Well, rockfin.com is the, the place where the, uh, this, this show live streams and also uh, Tomorrow America Unplugged. We do every uh, Saturday at noon with the great Tony Arterburns producing and Billy Ray Valentine. Uh, I write at Substack uh, regularly, Donald Jeffries at Substack.com. But I get a lot of, I mean, I do a lot of my research, but I have, I, I call the three searchers. And one of them is Chris Graves, who you know is search, whatever, he's just incredible. And that's Bob Wilson, as Peter Sikosh as well. So like Hidden History 3, which I've just finished, great contributions from them they sent me so much stuff so they're always and you know they're just volunteers it's amazing they just want the truth and they know i can't pay them because i don't make very much from these books myself but uh mostly what i do i do and i you know i call people i try to call and i i don't know if you found that or how many but what i found is that 
people connected to these events, and I mean any of them going back, uh, 90% or, or more of the phone numbers that I find or that the, the, the researchers find for me are disconnected. Nobody wants to talk about it. That's, you know, right. People hung up on me. And they just, they, and it's amazing. Nobody wants to talk. So it, it is really hard to do research. What what do you do? I mean, do you, uh, and also Jeff Rents. I'm on Jeff Rents. And this show, uh, every one of these shows uh, is uh, played, replayed. People think it's part of the Rents Network. It's not. But I am on a show every Monday night. But uh, they replay every I protest. I think I forget what it is, but it's, it's on a schedule Tuesdays and Wednesdays or something. But so that's where this and he has a really big audience. But what do you how do you do your research, especially, you know, do you find the same kind of problems there? I absolutely do. I I've got I still have a lot of deep researchers, phone numbers, um, especially, you know, like people from Veterans Today and. And of course, you know I'm good friends with uh, James Fetzer and and all the other people that I've been around with for a long time. But what I've noticed is, is a lot of the radio shows, or should I say, networks anyway, that used to carry a lot of um, truth researchers, is you know what we've always been called, that are either they're out of business or they don't want to interview people anymore and. Right. Um, a lot of researchers have moved a bit bit show, um, because yeah. you know you know that you can't be on YouTube at all. All my yeah. stuff yeah. is taken down from YouTube, and so you have to reconnect with everybody on BitShu and other networks as well as you know either find their new blogs or try to find them. But a lot of the people, yeah, I'm in the same boat. Like they just don't want to talk about it anymore. They had a lot of things happen to them. And, yeah. you know, they just don't want to move forward. And so, but yep. the ones that are still in the fire, I commend everybody. I tell them, thank you all the time. I, you know, the, the it only takes, what is it? What is the, the thing? It only takes a, less than 10% of the nation to actually rise up. And, and, you sure. know, we see that with other organizations too, like, That's like the CSPOA. I don't know if you know who they are. But you know they're they're rising up right now and and doing a major investigation into the election fraud and I'm definitely yeah. following that as well and and you know it's time to get people off their high horse and onto the yeah. the actual truth yep. boat and start you know standing up. We we have to stick together and you're you're doing great work. So tell tell the people again where where they can find you and uh, promote anything you want to promote. All right. Well, I have three major websites. <clears throat> I have thegovernmentrag.com. And then I also have blog.thegovernmentrag.com, which is my blog site, which I have multiple writers that also contribute to that. And then my deep research into the Tucson shooting is at jaredleelocker.com. Exactly. That's great. Well, Stephanie Sledge, you're you're underappreciated. It's always a, a pleasure to talk to you, and uh, we'll have to have you back again. And people, thanks for listening. Uh, next week is my birthday, so I think I'm taking off next Friday, Tony. Maybe we can re rerun the All Alex right, Stein show. So, thank you. And uh, the week after that, though, I have I have uh, um, uh, G. Edward Griffin lined up, so that's going to be good. He's a great guy, 89 years old, still doing it. So I was All trying right. to get him for a while. So. Yeah, great, great man. So uh, I saw him on his to... 90th birthday. 
Yeah, yeah, he's really he's he's amazing for his age. So he's uh, obviously has a a long and a very impressive career. So again, thanks Stephanie, and thanks everybody for listening to I Protest. Uh, we'll talk thank to you, you in two weeks. Thank you. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Sure. Thank you.